local events are so fulfilling. It is really deeply beautiful to go to a bookstore or a meetup space and talk to a group of 25 people. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I believe that stories save us, and that's why I've spent my life immersed in books. First as a writing professor, and now as an award-winning author who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I find that no matter how zen we strive to be, life rarely goes as planned. But stories are our steadfast companions. And since the last few years have brought huge transitions to everyone, including me, I wanted to talk to other women who have lived real lives and have been audacious enough to share all the messy, joyous, complicated bits. I thought I could learn a thing or two from them about writing and healing and about, well, being human. And it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. So join me for powerful conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts who go beyond the surface level and into that deep, raw, honest place, the heart of the story. Hi, friends. I can't wait to dive into today's episode. But before we do, don't forget that Publish the Personal is on sale now through Cyber Monday. Publish the Personal is hands down my most popular course that always sells out because it delivers results. So many students from that class have gotten their personal essays published in major magazines like the New York Times, The Sun, the Boston Globe. In fact, just recently, eight of my students, yes, eight, have gotten published in the New York Times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this class works because so many of us as writers want to get published or it's been a while since we've been published and we spend so much time trying to figure out where we might go down the internet rabbit hole. We create a list. Sometimes we submit maybe not the best fit of pieces to not the right publications. We get rejected. We get discouraged. And it is so time consuming and so emotionally taxing. So with this class, I give you exact formulas and approaches for how to write personal essays that editors cannot resist. You'll write and workshop and submit three personal essays within six weeks, and then you can sit back and wait for the acceptances to roll on in. <laughs> so if you would like to join us, you can sign up at nadinekennyjohnstone.com for the January cohort. We're meeting on Wednesdays from January 10th through February 14th online. And if you're curious about what the experience has been like for former students, here are some words of praise, starting with Margaret Gilmetti, who is also the author of the memoir Bravish. She took my class and her piece was published in the New York Times. Nadine Kenny Johnstone, honestly, I cannot praise her enough. And I mean that in all caps with exclamation points. Taking her published the personal helped me in achieving a long treasured goal, getting my writing in the New York Times. 
Seeing my tiny love story in print on New Year's Day was a dream come true. I also loved my cohort of committed fellow writers, many of whom saw their pieces published as well as a result of the class. Nadine is a masterful combination of head and heart, caring and skill, guiding and cheerleading, and she delivers maximum value. And next, we will hear from Mary Ellen Giambetti, who was a first-time author, brand new to trying to submit something for publication, and lo and behold, her tiny love story got accepted in the New York Times. Working with Nadine and taking her Publish the Personal workshop is one of the best things I've done. Because of this experience, I've become a better writer and gained a ton of valuable insight into the world of writing. Nadine's guidance also helped me to get published in the New York Times, which was my first publication ever. She creates such a fabulous community and space to learn and share ideas. I'm still in touch with the folks from our group. It's been great. The experience also inspired me to get working on the novel I've always wanted to write. Working with Nadine is a wise investment. Whether you're a new writer or a seasoned best-selling author, you will absolutely benefit from the experience. And then finally, Betsy Armstrong, another fabulous writer, has taken the class multiple times, and her piece recently came out in Brevity Blog. Nadine Kenny Johnstone's Publish the Personal is my absolute favorite class that I have ever taken. It has totally upped my submission game. I like the fact that instead of writing and then finding a home for whatever piece I've written, what Nadine does is help us study a publication, and then we write toward what they actually publish. What this does is gets results. I've been published in the Brevity blog and on WOW Women on Writing through this class, and the pieces that were rejected by the original publication actually went on to be recognized in the Writer's Digest Annual Essay Contest, and one of my pieces even won first place in an essay contest and $500, which is always nice. The other thing I enjoy about Publish the Personal is that it's a small group of really excellent writers. They're committed and everyone shows up and we get and give excellent feedback in real time to each other. Nadine is a gifted teacher. She is a perfect combination of encouraging and accountability. I cannot recommend Nadine and Publish the Personal enough. I hope that you'll join us and you'll be in a wonderful cohort of other inspired, excited writers who will support your work and cheer and lead you through the finish line. So let's dive into today's episode. I have really been thinking about the past year. This time of year is a very reflective time for me. I do a lot of looking back and seeing what has worked and what has mattered in the past year. And I did this for myself in terms of being an author and an entrepreneur. And I really wanted to see what the past year has taught me in both of those regards. And I came up with some things to share with you if you are an author, an entrepreneur, or just someone who is interested in living an intentional life. Eight lessons I've learned as an author and entrepreneur this past year. Number one, live a right 
life-sized life. I did not come up with this term. This term is from Nick Antoinette, who has a Substack newsletter that I subscribe to, and I love this idea of the right-sized life. What does this mean? It doesn't mean don't dream big. It doesn't mean we have to shrink ourselves. But it also alleviates the pressure to live the kind of life that actually doesn't fit you. That is actually not what you want. (laughs) And so when I think about this, I also think of Nadia Boltz-Weber, who was recently on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast. And she talked about instead of being off the grid, being off the grind. (laughs) And I love this term because um, there certainly is a grind element and aspect to authorship. And for sure, there is a grind component, overwhelming component to entrepreneurship. And what we have to do is get back to why we're doing either thing in the first place, why we're creating, why we are running a business. And at the end of the day, usually the reason is to serve other people. And within that, serve ourselves. So why do we write? We write to make sense of our lives, to ignite our imagination, to share our stories with other people. Why do we start our own businesses? Because we're excited to share our knowledge with other people. Never ever do we come upon either of those journeys so that we can burn ourselves out, make ourselves sick and exhausted, make ourselves self-shaming and mean and rude to our own beings. That's never the purpose or the point. And yet, both being a writer and being a business owner can easily end up in a circle of self-shame. And so whenever I am gravitating towards that, thinking about all the woulda, coulda, shoulda, or I need to right now because so-and-so is doing this other thing, I think about the kind of life I want to be living and the fact that I do want a life that involves writing in business, but also involves love of other people and love of self. And so sometimes my business life looks small and scaled back. And that's good. That's really, really good. And sometimes my writing looks different than writing. It looks like verbally sharing my stories. It looks like being a good literary citizen and supporting other people and cheerleading other people. It looks like reading really good writers, listening to other writers on podcasts, supporting their work by subscribing as a paid subscriber on their Substack, buying their books, supporting local bookstore owners. So being an author 
doesn't always have to look like writing until the wee hours of the morning. And being a business owner doesn't have to mean burnout. In fact, I never really want it to mean burnout. People usually start their own businesses because they've been burnt out at other jobs. And yet so easily, their self-started business begins to take over their lives even more than that job that they left because there's no shutoff. So I encourage you to think about your right-sized life, the kind of balance within your creativity or your career that actually feels good to you. And I'm careful with the word balance because sometimes it can be a trick. Like, oh, if we just get the right balance, then we can give all of ourselves to everybody and everything at once. No, that's not the kind of balance I'm talking about because that's a lie. It doesn't exist. But what I mean is the right amount of energy and effort for you. What does that look like? What feels satisfying for you, not compared to anybody else? What amount of hours spent writing feels right for you? What dedication to your business feels right for you? Let's live right-sized lives so that we don't get so overwhelmed and so self-critical that we burn out because then we're not sharing our gifts with a single person. The second thing I learned this past year as an author and an entrepreneur is the importance of taking what I call a workcation. So I did an episode about this back in January, and it can look like many things. For me, what it looked like was that at the beginning of January, I took about four and a half, almost five days to myself away in order to not have a vacation, but to have a workcation, time dedicated to my work. And I specifically needed to do this at the beginning of the year because the holidays, my friends, are a trickster. They make you think that because maybe there's a two-week quote-unquote break that your kid has off of school, that this means you'll have extra time to do stuff. I don't know, at least in my mind, I've always looked at holiday break as like, ooh, this time when I usually am not teaching or coaching and don't have to do drop off or pick up and oh, I'm going to have so much time. And I've forgotten two key elements, which is that my kid is home from school and needs tending to, you know, food and attention. And there are holidays in the middle of that, that require socializing and gifting and preparation and cleaning. Why do I ever think anything's going to get done during this time? I don't know. So I started this workation idea last year. After holiday travels, we came back and we were exhausted. We were part of the group of people whose Southwest flights got canceled last year. So we had a 22-hour trek from Chicago to Florida in the snow. And 
that was not fun. And I, I said to my husband, I need to go away by myself to work, to work on my work. And so I found a cheap place to stay two and a half hours away in Fairhope, Alabama. And I hold myself up in coffee shops and in my hotel room, and I dedicated myself to my work. Now, these workations do not have to look like anything that requires money. It could be finding someone who has a couch you can sleep on or finding a great coffee shop that won't kick you out even if you stay all hours of the day. You'll, you'll repay them in many cups of coffee and buying their pastries and food. But getting out of your house for long chunks of time so that you can focus on your work. I did this and I got more done in those four and a half days than sometimes I get done in a month <laughs> because I didn't have to stop every half hour for something. You know, scheduling that appointment, uh, talking to the school about this, doing an email task, so on and so forth. So many distractions throughout an entire day. And when I did that, I planned out the entire period of preparation for my book that came out in the spring called Come Home to Your Heart. So I mapped out my five months of what book promotion and book launch preparation looked like within that workation. I pitched a bunch of magazines. I pitched a bunch of podcasts. I lined out what my events were going to look like and put them up on my website and started advertising them. All of the things I did during that workation time. So if you can, at the beginning of the year or at a time that works good for you, I highly recommend the workation, like a little mini retreat. And during that time, you set the precedent to all of your loved ones that you are not reachable. And maybe you'll check in for five minutes at night or something. But beyond that, you are not reachable. You can put your out of the office notification on your email because you're not going to get bogged down by emails. This is a time to work on your business or on your writing rather than being stuck in the muck of the daily doldrum of it. So number two was take a workation. Three, usually what I do every year is I set one new kind of scary different goal for myself. In the past, it's been, okay, this is the year where I'm going to present at a bunch of writing conferences. Or another year, it was, this is the year that I'm going to launch an online community of writers, which is called my Writer Workout Community. This is the year I'm finally going to get that essay out in the world or a series of essays out in the world. This is the year I'm going to start a podcast. This is the year. This is the year. So last year for me was the year that I wanted to go retreat wild. <laughs> I wanted to lead a bunch of retreats that I had been dreaming about leading for years. I have been leading women's writing and wellness retreats for many years now, 
And they started off as little weekend things in my tiny living room in Illinois with local people coming in and spending all day Saturday and all day Sunday at our house and my chef husband cooking for us. And they have morphed to multi-day, beautiful location retreats that are just, oh my gosh, out of this world. I love these retreats. So this past year, I led a retreat in Florida that was oceanfront, and there were 12 women, and it was so fulfilling to see them, especially the ones who came from a snowy northern state, to be walking on the beach in February, loving life, doing meditation and yoga and journaling and sound baths and eating really well-prepared food and nourishing meals. It was a dream. And then in April, I led one in California in wine country in Healdsburg. And I had never been there, but I had heard of it. And a person in my community had recommended this one retreat center for me to lead it at. And I did. And I I took the plunge without ever having been on site, but having many, many phone calls with that retreat center to make sure it was perfect for my people. And then talking to people who had already been there and really just planning the ideal wine country women's writing retreat. And it did not disappoint. Then I did my annual retreat in Door County, Wisconsin that I do every summer, which again was a dream. And so it was such a feeling of pride that 2023 was a year of big, long-held dream retreats that I led. And so every year I kind of shift my focus to try one new scary-ish thing or to elevate something that I'm already doing. And so for you, what does that look like for your writing or for your business? What's one new scary thing that you've been maybe dreaming about for a while that's going to be your focus for the upcoming year? Number four I have mentioned these before because they are so powerful, brave days. As a writer and as an entrepreneur, too, so crucial to what I do as an author and as an entrepreneur. Brave days. So once a month minimum, oftentimes more than that, I put on my calendar a brave day. And on this brave day, I do all of the scary things that I would typically talk myself out of. I pitch amazing authors to be on this podcast, Heart of the Story. I pitch other podcasters to be on their podcasts as a guest. I send my writing to major magazines. I try to, for that day, hold back on the second guessing, the doubt, the criticism, and I pretend as if on that day anything can happen, that the possibilities are endless, that I'm qualified for everything, that I am beloved enough to be on all the things that people will just think that I'm the cat's meow and they'll want me and my writing and all, everything. (laughs) 
I suspend belief on that day. And it makes all the difference. And because of those brave days, you reap the benefits. On my brave days in the past, guess who I have pitched? Susan Piver, the meditation instructor hero of so many of us, a, a profound Buddhist teacher. Yes, Susan was one of the people I pitched on my brave day, and she ended up on the show, as did the writing expert legend Jane Friedman, who knows just about everything about the business of writing and was on this show. Look at the guests who've been on the show. Almost all of them I pitched on a brave day. And on the flip side, I've gotten into Good Grit Magazine and on the And So She Left podcast and the Millennial Minimalist podcast and so many different places because of Brave Day pitches. Almost all of my bylines that I have, all of my publishing credentials, so many of the things that have happened in my writing and business life are as a result of a brave day. Number five, get inspiration, not comparison. I do much of my work with blinders on. It is incredible how little I know about what's going on in most areas of writing and business. And yet I know a whole bunch about the people I care to know about. I am very, very selective about who I listen to, who I read, and who I follow. I cannot waste my time scrolling because I will always feel like absolute crap. And I cannot follow certain people that I am jealous of because I will only feel worse about myself. And if someone is doing something that's too similar to what I'm doing and I am bound to do some major comparing, I don't follow, listen, or, or read them. I like to focus on people who inspire me, people who are doing incredible things and usually are a step or two minimum ahead of me. Because if I'm looking at my peers, I'm constantly comparing. But if I look at someone who's a couple steps ahead, I don't feel intimidated by them because I kind of think of them as mentors. They have something to teach me. And I'm not in this compare game. And so I, I really urge you to take a look, take stock of who you follow, who you listen to, who you read, and think about who's inspiring you versus who is making you feel like crap, who you're comparing yourself to. When do you need to go searching a little bit for inspiration? And when do you actually need to put the blinders on so that you stay focused on your own stuff and don't start doing the compare game? And as will happen, 
sometimes when you have the best of intentions, you will still have moments of jealousy. I usually on Instagram will go in, post a thing, comment back on anyone who's taken their precious time to comment on my stuff. I like to give them responses, but I'm not scrolling. I am not scrolling. And yet what happens is that I will open the app and what do you know, something will immediately come up on the feed. And the other day I went to go post about this podcast, a wonderful guest who had been on. And the very first thing that was in my feed was something that made me feel shitty as a writer. And the next thing that came up on my feed was something that made me feel shitty as a business owner because they led to instant comparison and therefore scarcity mentality about all that I am not doing. And I felt like crap. And so I went for a walk and something that helped me was that I did a scroll through my photos and I looked at all the ways I've been spending my time over the past year. And I have loved this past year. I have connected this past year. I have made people who are important to me know that they are beloved. I have done so much as a writer. I've done so much as a person who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I looked through those pictures and I had photo evidence of where I've been putting my energy and I've done a whole heck of a lot, most of which the big broad world will never see and will never notice and won't even have a clue about, but I know about it. So when you are feeling small and not enough, as we all do in our writing and as business owners, I want you to write a tally list of what you have done. What have you done in either of these areas over the past year? And keep that list somewhere to remind you, okay? When you're ever feeling like a not enough voice comes roaring in. Six, you can shift. You can shift. You don't have to stay in one area of expertise. You can do many different things simultaneously even. For many, many years, almost 15 years, I was a writing professor. I was in the academic world. I was at a university just about every waking moment of the day. And I was very engrossed and immersed in the writing world. I attended writing conferences. I presented at writing conferences. I taught writing classes. And I have an MFA in creative writing, so I've studied writing academically for a long time and was part of my alumni group. So it was very writing focused. And then a few years back, I shifted into a holistic, mindful, kind of spiritual space. I got very into meditation, breath work, journaling, yoga nidra yin-focused practices, and 
I didn't know how to meld the two. Didn't know if I could, if I was allowed to. And I just finally did it and put it out there. And so my book that just came out, Come Home to Your Heart, is a guided journal. If I would have said in my MFA program or to my academic colleagues that I was putting out a women's guided journal, um, they might be like, huh. But it is the best representation of what I currently care about. I've made a lot of shifts, pivots, not only every year, but every couple months even, sometimes week to week, I've made many shifts. And when I went on my workation in January, one of the other shifts that I noticed I wanted to make was that I wanted to interview more women writers and wellness experts on this podcast, because primarily before that, I was doing almost all solo episodes. And I wanted to collaborate and talk to other people and learn and feel less lonely. And so I shifted to interviewing more and more people. And it was wonderful. And last year, if you know, I moved from Chicago to a beach town in Florida. And so my life has shifted greatly. And my daily life looks very different. And so couple months ago, actually a few months ago now, I realized that my website, my headshots, different things were not reflecting my current and future feel. So I got new headshots. I reworked my website with a wonderful company. I shifted the podcast to focus on more interviews. And it feels really good to as Glennon Doyle says, match the outside to how your insides feel. That's how it feels to shift and put yourself out there. So if you are feeling like there's a shift happening and you're doing many different things that almost don't feel like they have a common thread, I promise that they do. And even if they don't, who cares? <laughs> you are a multifaceted human and being quote-unquote on brand is bullshit. So shift, people, shift. <laughs> You've never been a poet before, but you are interested in writing poetry? Write it. You're a sci-fi novelist who suddenly wants to write nonfiction essays? Go for it. Who cares? Shift. Seven, local matters sometimes more than metrics. We all as writers and business owners care about analytics and metrics, but your heart also deeply cares about connection. And so as an author, when I put my book out this spring and as a podcast host, of course, you want people to read and listen. That's, that's why you're doing what you're doing. But I have also found that local events are so fulfilling and should not be overlooked. And while it's wonderful 
to say have an online book launch that hundreds of people attend or something like that. It is really deeply beautiful to go to a bookstore or a meetup space and talk to a group of 25 people. It matters. Over the spring and summer as I was promoting my book, of course, I was speaking on podcasts and writing articles and publishing excerpts of the book, but I also planned local events and meetups and readings. I was a featured reader at an event here in Florida, and I created a meetup in Chicago and another in Wisconsin. And those events, hugging people in person and locking eyes with community members that I love and have deep roots with and connection with the place that we're in is vital to my soul. And so if ever you're wondering, okay, well, how do I spend my time and energy? Should I only do things that draw huge audiences? The answer is (laughs) sometimes you do the thing that draws the bigger audiences. And sometimes you do the thing where you'll have deep one-on-one or small group connection with people in a place that matters deeply. Finally, number eight, invest. Invest in a team or a mentor or a mastermind or invest your time in meeting up with a group of people who will support and cheerlead you. Do not go it alone. I've tried. I have tried. I'm an introvert. I love alone time. I love doing things myself. I'm type A. I have tried to do all the writing things alone. I've tried to do all the business things alone. It's always better when you invest in support. And that might look very different to anyone. Investing doesn't have to mean money. Investing your time in a group of people can be huge. For example, locally, there's a group of women who are entrepreneurial and we meet up at least once a month. They have great ideas about how to serve our people even more. And I feel so inspired every time I talk to them. So many of the writers in my community are a part of my writer workout group where we meet up every Monday. And it's because being in community matters. It's what makes us actually write, holds us accountable, inspires us to submit for publication, helps us through hard times. That group of women in the writer workout community have supported each other through all sorts of writing and non-writing events, marriages and funerals, big publications and book launches and hard days and happy days. It is invaluable. Sometimes investing looks like putting money into something like a new website, like hiring 
someone who can help you do tasks that you are not great at doing. I remember years ago when I really wanted to go forth with my workshops and I wanted to have a whole online component. And at that point, I had no idea how to have basically a sign up and payment transaction spot on my website. And that's necessary if you're going to be leading workshops. People need a place where they can sign up and register. And I remember I contacted a web designer and it was going to be, I think, $1,000, a little over $1,000. And I was just like, oh, that is so much money. I cannot believe that, you know, something I could do myself, I could try to do the research and go down the rabbit hole, but I knew that I would spend forever and then probably not do it because I didn't know how to do it effectively or efficiently. And so I invested in that website and that was the home and launching pad of everything that I do now. And I've since tweaked and updated and, and have invested more into making it relevant and but investing in support, in mentorship. I have studied under many people who know more than me in all areas, and it has never been a waste of time or money. I have been part of masterminds that have inspired me to get unstuck in my writing and to make myself a better business leader. It's never a waste. Investing in yourself and your creativity in your business is never a waste. Now, here's one caveat. We can get to the point where we don't implement. So make sure that you're not just learning but you are implementing as well. That's why if you're going to study under someone or be part of a mastermind group or you know have a mentor or whatever, or be part of a class, make sure that there's implementation where it's not just a download of information that you go, okay, well, that was good to know, but you're actually doing the work. I always thought about, especially with writing, the reason why my community is called Writer Workout is because I always thought, well, we need to actually do the writing, not just talk about the craft of writing. I mean, that would be like going to a workout class and talking about working out, but never working out. <laughs> so you need to do the thing. That's why in our Writer Workout community on Mondays, we actually do the thing. We write. That's why in Publish the Personal, we submit for publication together. We write, workshop, and submit together. Make sure that whatever you're invest investing in, that there's implementation results, holding each other accountable. There's something to show. It's so worth it. It is so worth it. Okay. Those are the eight lessons I have learned in 2023 about being an author and an entrepreneur. And I hope that they have inspired you to, oh gosh, harness your gifts, to put your stories and your offerings out in the world, to have support along the way, to shush the self-critic, to live that right-sized life, to be around those who inspire you rather than make you feel bad, 
and to ultimately showcase the beautiful stories and offerings that only you, only you can put out into the world. I want to know what that is. So go ahead and when you see this podcast post on Instagram, you can comment and just let me know what sorts of things you have been learning about yourself as a writer and or a business owner. Let me know on Instagram. I'm at Nadine Kenny Johnstone. If you know of a friend who might enjoy this episode, go ahead and share it with them. And thank you, Michelle Rado, my wonderful producer for all you do on this podcast. Remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week.